Hi, and welcome to episode 140 of the Untethered Podcast. Today, we have Anders Almondson joining us. Anders is the CEO of Remastered Sleep, and he's a passionate medical innovator who aspires to make being healthy easy. During his four years as a mechanical engineer at Medtronic, Anders earned his MS in medical device innovation from the University of Minnesota. Anders also spent nine months studying health systems throughout Asia and Africa in order to learn novel approaches to healthcare innovation around the world. I'm also going to put a little plug in for Abby on their team, who has done an incredible job of creating the illustrations and their website at remasteredsleep.com. Quick disclaimer, all information, content, and material of this podcast are the opinions of the speakers and is for the informational purpose only and not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified healthcare provider. Welcome to the Untethered Podcast. I am your host, Hallie Balkin. I'm a certified orofacial myologist, feeding specialist, and mentor. This podcast is all about getting your questions answered and collaborating with colleagues to bring you the most up-to-date information in the orofacial myofunctional therapy, tethered oral tissue, and airway space. I challenge you to keep an open mind and join my mission to get this information out to the masses. Let's get started. Well, Anders, I want to welcome you to the podcast this morning. I'm, I'm excited to chat. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're glad to be here. So tell us, you know, we've got this. If anybody's watching on YouTube, they'll be able to see this, this beautiful water bottle that I'm holding. Um, but tell me a bit about how you came up with the concept for a myofunctional therapy water bottle. Yeah, so my background's in biomedical engineering. And I used to work at Medtronic at and then I also did a master's of science in medical device innovation, and then traveled the world studying healthcare for nine months. And it was when I was doing my master's program, you know, we're going to these different like sleep clinics doing clinical immersion. When we see this obstructive sleep apnea patient, severe obstructive sleep apnea patient, mm. you know, just outright refuse CPAP therapy. Yeah. So for us, you know, and that's the gold standard. There's all, the, all these health risks associated with obstructive sleep apnea. So we're sitting there like, oh man, like this person won't even try a CPAP, not even like he won't even use it. Like he won't even try it. So it was really eye-opening, you know, for us. And then you start digging into it. There's, you know, 80% of cases are undiagnosed of the people that are diagnosed. There's the 20 to 50% outright CPAP refusal rate. And then you have a 50 to 60% compliance rate of CPAPs. So people aren't being diagnosed and they're not being treated. So that's what got like me passionate about the sleep space. And so we're looking into these alternative, you know, solutions and we're going, you know, looking at all these studies, we came across this didgeridoo study where, and this is coming out of the universe, you know, like in Switzerland. So like we're playing the didgeridoo for, I think it was like 20, 30 minutes a day for four months, you know, dropped obstructive sleep apnea from moderate to mild on average. And then also helped with snoring. So we're, we're sitting there like, wow, this is, this is amazing, you know. And wild, you know, this is very different than what we're used to. So then we're like, okay. So then we started digging into it more. We started seeing the studies coming out of the University of Sao Paulo in Brazil. So those showed, you know, doing targeted exercises, you know, and that in that case, I think it was like 15 back in like 2007 or eight, that they showed even greater reductions than the didgeridoo playing. And we're like, okay, there's something here. And then they simplified down to six. So we started talking with people. We're like, hey, there's these exercises that can help your snoring and obstructive sleep apnea. You know, what do you think? And some people are like, yeah, this is awesome. But then a lot of other people are like, yeah, I don't know. That's a lot of work. So, so, that, so we're like, okay, 
how do we make it? So it seems like, you know, this therapy has the efficacy, you know, for what we were looking for, but how do we actually get people to do it? So we're sitting there brainstorming, like coming up with these different ideas. And it was actually at my parents' place. I was watching their dog eat peanut butter out of a peanut butter Kong. So you, and you can see the, the tongue motion, you know, it's doing this tongue exercise and not even realizing it and enjoying it too. So it's, and we're like, oh, okay. And I was like, hey, what, what do people do every day? You know, they drink water out of a water bottle. And that was like the big light bulb moment. So oh, wow. I, I love how you made that connection between the dog peanut butter Kong. I mean, my dog has one of those too. And like, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yep. So yeah, we, uh, we decided to make a water bottle, not a, not an adult peanut butter Kong. <laughs> But maybe there's some room for future. Uh, <laughs> get an adult to do, right? <laughs> but it is so interesting because one of the things that you mentioned, aside from just not having enough diagnosis or there's underdiagnosis, I should say, to when you are prescribed a CPAP, you know, the amount, the amount of patients who either decline even having that conversation or filling the, the script um, versus those who do fill it, take it home. And then it sits next to their bed and they don't actually use it. I mean, it's obviously very low compliance and I, I have a family member who uses a CPAP. And so I'm, I'm familiar with what it looks like and how it might sound. And I mean, it's to give this to, let's say a 25 year old, right. And tell them they have to wear this for the rest of their life. Like it's absurd, right? We obviously, if it's necessary to stay alive right now, while you sleep fine, but the goal should ultimately be like, let's, let's mean off of this at some point, let's have some like long-term game plan here so that you're not expected to be on this appliance or this device for the rest of your life. Yeah. And most people, yeah, they don't want to, they definitely, if they have the option to get out like that, they would take that in a heartbeat, you know, nobody, but it, CPAP, you know, gold standard, it does work really well. So for the people that use it, you know, it's awesome, but yeah, there's gotta be other things out there that you can do. <laughs> for sure. So let's talk about the key benefits of the, of the, the water bottle. Um, because I know what we focus on, you know, in Mayo, obviously our big goals are, we say, you know, um, lips together, tongue up, lips together, um, teeth apart through your nose basically is, and I always say it in a much cuter way when I'm talking to patients, but, <laughs> um, so I know obviously our lips are going to be around this and our tongue, the idea is to get the tongue up, you know, what do you guys from a functional standpoint, like what is your ultimate goal with, with the water bottle? Yeah. So there's kind of, there's like three, three main goals. One is the, the tongue up. Like that's a, that's a huge one. Um, and for us, like, I don't know if, if you've noticed it, but we've had other people who struggle with tongue up positioning. Like it gets your tongue up on the roof of the mouth, like really quickly. Yeah. Like it it is. You naturally. Yeah. It just it makes it just suck, you know, just want to go right up there. Yeah. So, and that's, that's cause part of it is when you drink out of, you're doing the tongue cave. Like, so you're doing that mild functional therapy exercise where you're creating suction with your tongue you're using that suction to draw the water out. So you're, you know, the back of your tongue, you know, your whole tongue's up on the roof of your mouth as you're drinking. And then, you know, you swallow. So it's kind of like, you're just doing these little, you know, tongue push-ups with the back of your throat with yeah. your tongue in the correct oral positioning. So it gets people to get their tongue up and then nasal breathing. So it takes a little bit of time to get the water out. So while you're doing that, you know, you should be able to be, you know, have control over your mouth and be nasal breathing, you know, at the same time obviously don't swallow 
when you're, you know, <laughs> when you're nasal breathing. Past infancy, we can't really do that, right? But, but no, I, <laughs> I love that. And it was, it was interesting. So there were two things that I noticed when I first tried it out, right? And you sent this to me like months ago and I finally was like, hey, we got to get on and podcast about this. Um, but when I first used it, I was like, all right, I, I'm a myo provider, right? And, you know, when I started to trial the water bottle, I was like, holy cow, my muscles, like, like throughout my entire, the lower half of my, I could feel everything activating. And I all of a sudden was like, okay, that's, I'm tired. Like, <laughs> tired. It's really a workout for your face. It was- so that's, that's the second goal. So part of it, you know, we're trying to work out because for us, you know, we're trying to exercise these muscles to tighten them up. So that's like the second goal, you know, like one, you're activating your genioglossus. So that's like a major airway dilator, hopefully coordinating, you know, we're, there's still like what we're still learning everything, you know, like myofunctional therapy and all this actually does. Like we know it helps, but also like the reasonings why, but yeah, you're exercising all these muscles and they're, you know, some muscles are ones that you're not used to like working out per se. So it's kind of, you know, a workout for the back of your throat, your soft palate, and then you're definitely the big one is like the genioglossus as well. Yeah, but yeah, that's, that's- I think it's <laughs> interesting too, because I know some of our patients that we work with will sometimes really struggle to get the back of their tongue up, especially if they're posteriorly tied, if they have a tongue tie, that's more posterior. Um, and I was that patient and I think I might actually need a little bit more of a release. And I think that's why I still also feel even after like using it some, I still feel like extra work through the back of my, you know, my, the muscles that support my jaw. Um, anyways, so it's, it was very interesting though, just as a user, I was like, huh, this is really fascinating. And, you know, when I compared it to straw drinking, because we work on that as well in myofunctional therapy we have a lot of patients who we always during our assessments look to see what does the tongue do when they put a spoon or a straw into their mouth. And oftentimes a lot of our patients will bring their tongue forward and either to their lips, beyond their lips, just like to like, we always say it's like greeting the, like the tongue's coming to greet the straw or greet the spoon. Um, and I noticed with this, that like I couldn't drink from it doing that. Like I, I tried so many different ways to like, Oh, like, I actually stuck in a ton of air instead of actually pulling water out initially, which is like, whoa, well, that doesn't feel right. So it was almost, it was almost like self-correcting and that I was like having to pull my tongue back. And of course, you know, this is me as a therapist who's just trying to like see like what might my, my patients do and what can I like, you know, cause if they do that, they're going to swallow air and then they're going to complain to me that, you know, <laughs> stomach ache or indigestion or something. Um, but so I do think, you know, it's fascinating cause it's long. The straw is long and it's kind of flat. So it gives you, and it's very easily, you know, moldable. So it gives you the opportunity to really kind of fit it into whatever, honestly, whatever shape palette you might have, which I thought was kind of cool because we have people presenting with different, you know, high, narrow palettes, V-shaped, U-shaped, all of the above. Um, so yeah, it was, it's pretty cool. I, I did feel like some of my patients would need a little instruction, you know, though, to make sure that they're using it properly. So like, how do you guys go about educating, I guess, you know, on the proper use of the bottle? Yeah. So we have our, the instructions that come with it. That's kind of like the main thing that, you know, comes with the product, physical form where, you know, it's pretty good visuals and the description. We've worked a lot on that. Yeah. We've actually just come out with an instructional video that we're going to, we're actually going to start sending out pretty soon. But that kind of goes to actually like showing how to use it. Because some people, you know, it's better to see like someone using it 
mm-hmm. you know, walking through it versus just like on a paper form. Yeah. But those are kind of like the, the two ways. And you kind of already mentioned, like we designed the product. Uh, it makes it, if you try to use it incorrectly, for the most part, it's going to not allow you to get water. So it kind of like punishes you in a way, you know, like yeah. you, you have to use it correctly, but there, you know, you can use it incorrectly. And that's where like doing the instruct, in, but that's like maybe a very small percentage of people, you know, can use incorrectly, but you just got to look at the instructions. So we tried to design it so it's foolproof, but you know, it couldn't, uh, couldn't do everything. <laughs> or error that, you know, you can't really always account for. And that's just human nature. Right. But, but no, <laughs> the website, I mean, so people will, we'll put this in the show notes so everyone can, you know, visit the website, but remasteredsleep.com. I mean, under the, how it works tab, you guys have beautiful images. So if you're someone who's like got the water bottle and you throw out that insert and you're like, ah, how do I use this? You, know, <laughs> you have the instructions right on the website. And I love your images. It's the website's so beautifully done. I have to just, you know, add that little plug in there. Um, it's very like informational, but it's in a way that I think is very easy to di- digest, especially for people who are not necessarily like me. They're not necessarily therapists in this, this space, right? Like you're, maybe you want to target us so that we can recommend it to our patients, but really you guys are wanting to recommend it directly, like from you all to the consumer. Um, and so I think you guys have done a really awesome job just explaining the importance of breathing through your nose and the tongue living on the roof of the mouth and, you know, also incorporating myofunctional therapy, which I always love. So thank you for that. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, you told us a little bit about the story behind invention, how I'm curious to know, like from concept to inception, like how long did that you to actually go from like, Hey, I have this idea because I saw my dog eating peanut butter out of the Kong. And I think that adults can really benefit from this too, um, to actually having like a prototype. Yeah. So from like inception, so, cause there's like the research before, like, you know, the actual idea mm-hmm. and that, that was like, I don't know, probably so 2017, about 2019, some of that was like part-time. So, and then some of it was full-time. So it's probably about a couple of years of research before getting to like that idea. Cause we were actually breaking down all the exercises and figuring out like what muscles were activating and what we thought was happening based on like the pathophysiology and physiology. Then yeah. from the actual like inception of the idea is probably about, I don't know, maybe half a year or so of just like prototyping, maybe a little more than that. Maybe, uh, maybe nine months of different, like testing different things out. Um, then we did a usability study with, 37 snorers so we did that in the summer of 2020 and we got really good results so that kind of that made us like okay then we did another usability study after that to test the instructions so we were like you know making sure we could dial in our instructions and then we launched it in December of 2020 so it's probably about a little over a year from like inception to launching it and that's with like testing it with people and prototyping and getting feedback from, cause we were working with speech therapists and malfunctional therapists, like getting their feedback as we're making it. Um, yeah. So it was, I don't know, pretty quick, but not, I don't know, but not like super quick, I guess. <laughs> yes, well in the, you know, I don't know if like shark tank, but like in the, in the world of like, you know, actually bringing to something to, like bringing a concept to market, you guys, I, moved relatively quickly compared to what I've seen other companies do, but I'm also not an expert in that, in that space. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you do have, I, I saw that you had sent me the, um, let's see the novel myofunctional therapy water bottle to reduce snoring and obstructive sleep apnea, which was the 
Um, you've got your abstract and the entire article here available on your website. So that's great because people can read about that if they're interested. And this was published, is that right? Yeah, so this was published as part of like a conference. So it wasn't like peer reviewed. This is kind of like our initial studies. Mm -hmm. We're actually going to be doing more. Um, we've applied for NIH SBIR grants. So we're cool. trying to do some obstructive sleep apnea studies. And we're like this close to getting funding. So I think we'll get it, you know, so hopefully pretty soon, you know, we'll be doing, uh, get that funding and do some obstructive sleep apnea. Yeah, like actual controlled studies with, you know, sleep tests and before and after. Mm. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I'll be so curious to see, one, if that gets funded, hopefully, you know, cross our fingers for you. <laughs> Thank um, you. What comes of all of that? That's exciting. That's really, I mean, we always talk about we need more research in this space in general and there's like, mm. There's my dog joining us. Um, we always need more research in the space in general, but you know, to see a product come out that can be beneficial and to have some research behind it, it's it's one of these interesting conversations because I don't know if you follow anything in like the pediatric feeding world, but a lot of our pediatric feeding cases also have airway issues, and you know we really promote, I actually had some posts on it this week, we promote open cup drinking because one, it's the closest thing to breastfeeding as far as orofacial, you know, myofunctional um, uh, goals and use of the, the orofacial muscles go. And then we encourage straw cups instead of sippy cups because a sippy cup for like a baby is actually prolonging the use of the bottle and it's a premature suckling pattern. It's not the same as like what we're trying to do like with the water bottle here. And obviously this is for adults, but you know, it just kind of begs this question of everyone goes, well, you know, there hasn't been any research done on like on these uh, straw cups and on again, sippy cups in the way that you're saying it's harmful. And we're like, well, if you just use them, you can feel it. Like you can, if you just kind of listen to your body and watch where the muscles are, you know, having to overactivate and how your jaw is having to fix and how just none of this is natural or helpful. And obviously if we start this early on in life and continue it forward, it's just going to contribute to a myofunctional disorder. Hello. There's a huge divide in my industry over this, by the way. Um, no surprise, I'm sure. And it's just, you know, amongst the SLPs, the speech pathologists and occupational therapists. Um, so it's, it's very interesting because people always come back. And the thing that made me think of it is you guys are going for this NIH grant to further look at actual product. And people are always like, you can't say that there's no research on, you know, sippy cups saying they're dangerous or that they contribute to myo disorders. And I'm like, oh my gosh, most companies are not willing to run research against their products when they're selling them beautifully on the, on the market. Why would they do yep. that? <laughs> so anyways, um, so yeah, so I love that you guys are, you're headed in the research direction. That's cool. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah we, we've definitely like looked at different like PDF, not like that, like doing research on it, but yeah, like some of the stuff that, you know, pediatric like some bottle nipples aren't that we're not very impressed and there's other things that weren't you know and yeah. when we originally designed our thing we we kind of modeled it somewhat a little bit off of like breastfeeding motions kind of like that natural motion but yeah. then into more of like an adult you know adult swallow yeah. so yeah like definitely yep <laughs> Yeah, no, that's cool because it's, you know, like I said, that's the closest thing to open cup drinking, right? And ultimately that's that swallow that we want. We want to be able to do this no matter what we're drinking out of, whether we're drinking out of a water fountain or a water bottle or a straw cup or an open cup or whatever. Um, 
we should have, obviously things are going to change slightly, but we should ultimately have the same general swallow pattern for the liquid once it's in our mouth. Right. And that's where we're finding that there's just certain vessels that don't allow for that. And unfortunately the infant toddler, you know, vessels <laughs> available are largely problematic. And it's, you know, it really starts at, at it starts young. And I think a lot of these kids who take to some of these things more easily that are not super helpful for their oral development um, tend to be our kids who are already at risk and then, you know, turn into the adults with sleep apnea. And sometimes these kids have sleep apnea too. So it's, uh, it's really interesting to be in this space right now, because I know like none of this is new, but at the same time, nobody's, I think it's most widely accepted, even though it's still a small you know, network, I feel like of many of us who really get it and accept it. Um, we, we all hang out together. It feels like a lot of people are on board. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's just so fascinating. I think it's a fascinating time to be in right now because I'm like, if we can, if we can help adults with where they're at, because everyone else used to say like, oh, you, you can't change, you can't change that. And in, in adults, you can't, you can't widen their palates. You can't change their swallow. You can't do this. You can't do that. And I'm, we're over here going like, of course you can. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> It's just so limiting to believe that. Um, anyway, so I've been the patient myself too, which is why I love this because, um, you know, while I've been in therapy with my own patients, quote unquote, like doing myo with them all the time. And I do generally have my tongue resting on my palate. Um, I do swallow properly when I'm sleeping. I still have like enlarged turbinates that I need to get taken care of soon. Um, and so I think once, I adjust my ability to nasal breathe better at night when I'm laying down, then that will hopefully lead to more of a closed mouth posture and, you know, all that fun stuff. So, and do you nasal breathe well during the day or? You know, I can, right? Like I can nasal breathe. Am I completely 100% like Peyton? No. I mean, <laughs> like I can... You know, okay. it's like, I basically have been living my life with what I thought were allergies and everyone tests me and they go, you're fine. You don't have allergies. And, you know, I moved down to Florida and I'm like, well, people's allergies from like the Maryland DC Metro area to tend to lift when they move out of that area. I lived there my entire life. So who knows? I moved down here. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure. And, and I've had a CBCT. So I'm like, I know I have a large turbinates. I know I have a deviated septum. So, um, it's definitely a procedure that's warranted because I just, I went through Vivo's DNA for two years, followed by Invisalign for a year and then kind of live in Mayo. So, you know, it's like, I'm the body work with the PT trained it from the PRI, you know, postural restoration Institute, like all the things. And, you know, I, I, when I look back at it, I go, I probably should have had the procedure done like mid expansion because there was a certain point where my maxilla, which is turned, actually it's turned, um, inward on one side a little bit. And so my teeth don't sit completely aligned. Mm -hmm. And at first the PT was like, yeah, you know, your dog, your, your bite is off on the bottom. And then he looked closer and he's like, wait, no, it's actually your maxilla. Your maxilla is turned in on one side and it's throwing everything off. And with the Vivo's DNA appliance that I used, we were able to get some movement and we were able to get it to start to shift, but it wasn't holding. And I think at that, that was about 50% of the way through about a year into my appliance therapy. And I think at that point we went like, huh, I, it probably has something to do with my nose. Gee, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so now that's, that's the next step. And then I, I'll probably end up back into some other oral appliance or something to deal with my maxilla. But 
it's, it's fascinating because, you know, I know during the day because I'm cognizant and because I think I've just trained myself like that, you know, so well that my tongue is up, my lips are closed. I breathe through my nose, even though it's not the path of least resistance. And then at night, it's like all bets are off. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you're like in super challenging mode. <laughs> Telling you, I'm a person who, who always says to my patients, well, you don't want to have to think about it during the day. It should just be second nature. <laughs> I swear. I swear. Um, so has anybody on your team, I mean, you obviously don't have to talk about their medical history, but has anybody like been through Mayo or any like types of adult expansion or had sleep apnea or anything? Like are there personal stories behind this as well? Yeah. So, so my business partner, Gunner, and I won't like go into like, too much of the stuff, but he was kind of like a renowned snorer mm. back in the day, you know? And so for him, and we, we were on a trip together. This was like before we knew about all the Mayo stuff. And, you know, he's like, oh, like, and he was making a joke, but he's like, yeah, do you, you guys know what you're supposed to do with your tongue? You know, and he's just making a joke or whatever. He's like, yeah, it just kind of floats around, you know, or whatever. And so then, you know, we started doing this and then, you know, a couple of years later, we started doing this company and we're doing the prototypes and testing different things. So he was testing it out. And for him, like it really helped his tongue posture and he his snoring like really reduced. Like he was kind of the, the guinea pig, I guess. Yeah. Where so, like my cousin would, you know, he's like a family friend and stuff. So my cousin was like hanging out with them and, you know, after a night of drinking I guess you know he's like oh I didn't even really notice like Gunner snoring it you know so it's kind of so it's like a huge change for him but part of it you know was definitely like the oral posture and now that we've gotten more into it like you know kind of an understanding of what are some of the things that affects you know him personally like me I don't know if I snore or not like I don't think so not very much so I've more done it because you know I'm just interested in helping people yeah but for, you know it's a very like personal you know, personal reason for why he's joined and worked on this. That's awesome. I, I always think it's really cool when there's something that's kind of, you know, come out of it positive for the masterminds behind the product. Um, you know, I got into this space, I was already a feeding therapist, but I got into the Mayo space and the infant feeding space because of my own kids. Right. And then because I learned about myself, like that, Hey, I've got all these things going on too. So I guess it's only fair to treat myself if I put my kids through all of this. Right? So it's, you know, I say it like it's a bad thing, but no, it's, it's been a journey for sure, but it is really cool when you come out on the other side of it. Cause I think the biggest thing that our, that my patients have said that really stands out to me is I didn't know what I was missing out on until I knew what I was missing out on. Right. Like they didn't, they've gone through their whole life, just living a certain way, having a certain energy level, like not getting good restorative sleep, waking throughout the night, feeling unrefreshed upon waking just because of how they're breathing at night when they're sleeping and how it's interrupting their sleep. And it's like, who, who would have thought such a little thing would make such a big deal, right? Here we are like with massive industry surrounding it. Um, but it's really, really cool to see these patients come to that realization themselves because now they're like, I have a new lease on life. Like this is, this is incredible. Like I wish I did this sooner. Well, and it's amazing, like how little, you know, not like how little people know about everything, but it's still a very new, you know, you kind of mentioned before, like it is a very new thing, you know, cause most people we talk to they're, you know, like when I was talking about the customer research and we're talking about, Oh yeah, you can do these exercises. You know, we kept it very like simple and they're like, Oh, I've never even heard of it. Like it's only like people that 
somehow they make it to a myofunctional therapist. Then they start, you know, it kind of opens up Pandora's box, I guess. I don't know if that's the right way to the phrase of, you know, all these things. The rabbit hole, like all of the above. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's, and there's patients we've talked to like that they've gone down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Like what you just said, where they had to learn it all themselves, where they're doing their own research and education because, you know, they have like a high vaulted palate and, you know, like just, they're trying to figure out how they can improve their condition. And they've had this issue of like obstructive sleep apnea or other things and how do they improve it? And they've kind of had to like educate themselves, you know, a lot. Of, it's not like, uh, here's all the information and everyone should know this. It's like, uh, kind of have to find it for a lot of people. Some people, yeah, it's, it's good that there's more myofunctional therapists and that's increasing, but yeah, it's still pretty it, new. It's interesting because people think snoring is cute and they think that it's normal. And there's a lot of pediatricians that still tell parents, oh, it's fine. It's normal. Don't worry about it. Or drooling to the age of three or four is normal. And the kids soaking a bib or soaking their shirt, like every 30 minutes, like these, this is, I'm like, this is what's wrong with the pediatric industry, at least that there just isn't a general consensus on what's healthy and what's normal, quote unquote, like, okay, define normal, but also we shouldn't be drooling and we shouldn't be snoring ever. So you know, it's, it's one of those things where, well, why is this child losing so much saliva out at the front of their mouth when they're awake? You know, why are they snoring? Like a, like I had, I walked into one classroom and this little three-year-old was snoring it sounded like there was a middle-aged man sleeping on the floor in that preschool classroom. And I was like, is that child sick? And they were like, no, no, they always sound like that. And I was like, are you cool with like me talking to the director? Cause I have some like great concerns about the safety of this child when they're sleeping. And they were like, no, absolutely. They were like, we've been talking about this all year. We think it's kind of crazy that like, and we're like, I was like, this is dangerous. This is like, and they were like, what? And I was like, yeah. So now like we've, we've tried to make an effort at least through my private practice that I have in the DC metro area to go and educate preschool teachers and staff about like, well, what do you look for during snack time when they're eating? What do you look for during nap time when they're sleeping? Um, and what do you look for just in general during the day when the kids are playing? Like, is their mouth closed? Is their tongue in or out? Are they drooling? Is the food falling out of their mouth? Are they putting their hands all the way into their mouth because their tongue can't function properly to move the food to their teeth? You know, all these just little things that they can look for and, and quote unquote screen. And, you know, I'm like, that's, I feel like that's our future. We need to be starting there with these little kiddos so we can hopefully decrease the amount of adults that are getting to, you know, getting so far into life, who knows how long they've had this, this issue, right. It's, it's probably been there for quite a while before it's actually become a really invasive problem for them from a health standpoint. Yeah, no, I, I really like that. Like, I think, you know, educating teachers, like that's probably easier than trying to educate all the, you know, it's the parents, probably both, you know, you definitely need to do both, but like finding ways to just kind of spread the information and catch it early. Yeah, I think that that's awesome. Like definitely if you figure out how to skip, you know, like get that program to, you know, expand across the U.S. Yeah. or something. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot, but... <laughs> having conversations with some colleagues about that in the dental space, the dental sleep space, because I was like, we have got to figure out like, how do we create a universal screening? That's like mandatory that happens. You know, they have universal newborn hearing screenings in the hospital. How about we do an intro oral, like quick check on the mouth? Like is the mouth open or closed? And is the tongue up or down? That's it. Let's just start there. Let's give it a score and move on. And if they need the referral, they get the referral because we know that that's highly contributing to any feeding struggles. So 
if we're looking for that already at the very beginning, like when I had my second daughter, I was like, I am not looking in her mouth for 24 hours. My first one was tied. I didn't know till she was 24 months old. That was a horrible experience. I am not doing that again. And I like, I, she latched and I was like, oh no, I don't even have to look like it's there. But what was interesting is these, these hospitals have gag orders. And so they can't often even diagnose it. Or if they look and see it, they can't tell you anything. So it wasn't until I diagnosed it. And then my pediatrician came by and agreed with me that the hospital then went, do you want us to release it? And I was like, don't touch my baby. <laughs> like you oh, all didn't even diagnose it, but now you want to do a medical procedure on her. No, thanks. <laughs> Yeah. So like, we've got to get it there. Then we've got to get it into the preschools. And then I feel like it should be, you know, they often do the the hearing and vision screenings in both preschool and early elementary school, like once or twice, like sometimes first and third grade or kindergarten, third grade or whatever. I'm like, we have got to get these in there with the hearing and vision screenings. There needs to be some kind of like an oral screen going on. Like a breathing or breathing screen. I've created actually the fast myo screening tool, which is free for download. And it's got, it's just a checklist of like the 40 most common symptoms that you can very quickly visualize. And we give the kid like a cracker and a Dixie cup of water and that's it. And I mean, you don't even have to do that to visualize all of these, but we do that so we can see how they're eating. Um, but that it's basically F for face and like that includes dental and then A for airway, S for swallow and T for tongue. And so if you're looking at these four things just very quickly, you very quickly know like, hey, do I need to refer this person on or not? And that's all, that's the whole purpose of it. And we tell like RDHs, laminate it, stick it on your wall. So when you're writing your notes for that patient before the dentist comes in, you can just quickly glance at the symptoms and add anything to your, like add a comment and move on. It doesn't need to be more than a 30 second, you know, screen. So they're seeing it anyways, right? These patients yeah. are laying in the chair and, or, or pediatrics, they're laying in the chair and they're seeing it throughout the entire cleaning, right? It's like, they have the best eyes. It's, it's like a window into all these problems. So anyways, that's my soapbox. <laughs> oh, I think, I think what you're doing is great. <laughs> yeah, thank you. No, I think it's, it's really cool though, to, to bring this all full circle and to have like products like yours, because they think that, you know, one, whatever helps and whatever gets the foot in the door to opening up patients' eyes about like, hey, there are other options out there. And yes, this is what you should be doing. Um, like I said, the education you guys have on your website, I think it's just, it's so clear cut and forward. So good, good work on that. I love all the work you guys have put into that. It, it shows. Um, is there anything else like that you guys have either on the horizon or any other applications you're using the product for or anything that we haven't talked about? Well, so there's, yeah, application-wise, there's a lot of other application. So like speech therapists, like are looking at it for other things, you know, more like rehabilitation. We've had, uh, we've had like a hockey broadcaster used it for like, he used it to help so he could speak longer without getting his muscles tired. So just like these other applications that we, you know, we're starting with the snoring and then we're going into obstructive sleep apnea. Then eventually, you know, we want to come out with a, like a pediatric product. Cause like you were saying, a lot of the stuff is happening earlier and we're just kind of getting it at the, you know, after years and years of having a problem. So yeah. we're trying to get earlier, you know, but we're, we're making sure we design it right and make sure it's, you know, well-suited for children that they understand how to use it properly. Cause we don't want to just have, you know, they're not going to use it right. Which I think most, you know, hopefully they'd be able to use it right off the get go, but figuring out the best way to make sure they're doing it properly and you know how best can we help them 
as they like, you know, develop. So that's, that's some stuff we're working on, but yeah, there's a lot of applications beyond just sleep. You know, it's just the mouth muscles in general, you know, eating, chewing, like swallowing, speaking, yeah, breathing, you know, so it's, there's a lot other applications. That's exciting. Sure. That's exciting. I think there are another big divide in the speech pathology world is that people don't seem to think that, you know, our tongue is important for speech. No, I'm kidding. They do, but you know, it's, they're okay with teaching compensations and this is their words, not mine. I actually had a post on this this week. And I've talked about this in the past on my social media because they gladly say they teach compensations and I'm going, but wait, if we're teaching compensations, that also impacts where the tongue exists for breathing, for bolus prep, for swallow. Like this is not just about speech. Like we need to kind of see beyond that initial you know, goal that you're treating in therapy. And it also goes to, goes to show that a lot of these kids are in years and years and years of therapy. When, if we actually addressed it from an orofacial myofunctional standpoint, from the get go, we'll probably be dismissed within a year. Uh, that's better. I'm sure the kid doesn't want to be in, you know, speech therapy for years and years. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, huge issue. So I think like your product from a pediatric standpoint could be really cool because, you know, anything that lessens the amount of therapy, one, it's a huge investment monetarily for parents, even if they're running it through insurance. Right. And two, it's a huge time investment. And I have a private practice. So don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I'm not trying to put my, I mean, put me out of business. Fine. Whatever. You know, I would, that means that nobody has any issues and that would actually make me very happy. But as far as it goes, when I get these teenagers who have been in seven eight, nine years of speech therapy. And they're like, I'm going to high school in the fall. I just want to speak clearly. I don't want to be made fun of anymore. Like there's a social emotional impact on it. And it's, it's, it's sad, you know, it's, it's sad to see what they've had to struggle through. And there's just people who are like ignoring, ignoring the myofunctional therapy space because it's, it doesn't have enough research behind it or it does. It's just crazy. So anyways, I'm here for all the research and hopefully whatever research you all do, as far as it, you know, applies to the water bottle also just, you know, show people, Hey, look, this is a, this is a real problem and there is more research to support it. I know there's a lot being done right now. And so I'm like, it can't be published fast enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I'm sure that they like a myofunctional wave, you know, like this is, but it's definitely spreading, you know, there's more just dentists learning about it. Like still it's a small percentage, but it's like spreading, you know? So it's, it's exciting. I'm sure like five, 10 years from now, it's going to look much different than what it does today. That's but the goal. <laughs> is, I'm, I'm actually um, releasing my own myo course because everybody in my membership, my myo membership has been like, like, you've got it. Like, you got to create a course. You got to give us a course. And I'm like, oh, okay, fine. So we just released the course to those in our membership. And so I spent a ton of time going through the history. And I'm like, Maya was 115 years old. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not new. I mean, in human standards, for as long as, like, we have existed, that's really not a new, quote, unquote, therapy. I think, like, the first exercises were introduced, like, not too long after, you know, it was initially thought of the whole concept of like us not having enough room for our tongue in our jaw and the tongue not being too big, but the jaw being too small and it being an airway issue. I'm like, this is all in the literature from like the late 1800s. <laughs> I'm like, so it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, we've, we've gone back and forth. I don't know if you know the whole history behind it, but 
the pathology organizations, right? Like they had created the IOM and then ASHA recognized it and then ASHA did not recognize it and basically booted it out as a concept. And then, you know, the dentists and RDHs kind of entered the space because nobody else was doing it. And then, you know, the SLPs came back into the space. And so now it's like, now we're all here. And I'm actually trying to argue to get like the OTs into the space because they do feeding. So they should be sitting at this table with us doing Mayo as well. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm just hoping if we can get more, you know, these four, the dentists, the RDHs, the SLPs and the OTs all kind of bring our heads together. I'm like, we could definitely make a much larger imprint much quicker. So. Yeah, I think because we've definitely like talked with some OTs and other people like, yeah, they're definitely interested so i think yeah it's it's happening yes maybe slowly but it's happening (laughs) surely slowly but surely well this is this has been amazing anything else you want to share with us about the product that we haven't chatted about yeah uh oh the one thing i forgot to say for like the benefits the other thing is the no extra time you know you're not putting extra time into having to do exercise or even think about it you know once you get used to it it's like drinking water, you know, out of anything else. Like after a couple of weeks or a month, you know, it just becomes second nature where like definitely like the first week or two of using it, you know, maybe you're like, okay, what am I doing it properly? And it's a workout. But then after that, you know, it gets very easy to use. And I use it as my daily water bottle. Like this is what I carry around with me all the time. So yeah, I think, uh, I think that's everything. Yeah. I don't know. I can't think of anything else. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you again for the water bottle. Thank you for your time today. Um, we will put the remasteredsleep.com website, like I said, with the um, with the YouTube video. We'll put that with the, the show notes and everything so everybody can very easily find you. And as we mentioned, the usability study is right there on their website. Um, we'll link that as well, as well as the education. If you just go to remasteredsleep.com and go to how it works, you guys can you know, very quickly look at how you all have educated um, the public, because I do think there's some good info here for, you know, we always have people coming to us and people, myofunctional therapists coming to us being like, how do I simplify this? And, you know, market this to patients. Like, how do I talk about myo? And I'm like, again, you guys have as like non-therapists, like you have done a beautiful job. So (laughs) (laughs) thank you. Good work. Yeah. So it'll be really cool. I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to see what you guys come out with as far as like a pediatric, you know, product goes. So keep me posted on that because I'd love to, to check that out when you guys are either developing or trialing. Do you want to be one of the people we interview just to get like, uh, some knowledge about the space? Okay. We'll we'll put you on the list. (laughs) And and that, I mean, yeah. So the other thing I do too, is I have this pediatric feeding course, feed the peds and I launched it. It was meant to be a fully online course, 12 week, like college level course before the pandemic happened. And it happened to launch launch the first one on March 16th, 2020. So as everybody shut down, they all jumped into the course because they were like, well, we don't really have any work right now. We're not really sure what we're supposed to be doing, or we're supposed to be doing this like virtual therapy. And I'm have all this time now at home. So um, it's been really cool. We've had over like a thousand therapists now go through course and the six times that we've, we've released it. And, uh, and then between that and the Mayo course, yeah, I'm, I'm like, your number one preacher when it comes to like <laughs> what what children should be using and how what adults should be using so yeah hit me we'll, up we'll, we'll definitely put you on the list <laughs> perfect. perfect awesome all right well thank you so much Anders this has been amazing
Yeah, no, thank you. Thanks for having us on. Like always a pleasure. And yeah, definitely we'll be in touch. All right. We'll chat soon. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to hear more of these Mayo Tots airway and feeding related episodes, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash the untethered podcast. If you found value, others you know in this space will too. So be sure to share this episode on your social media platforms and join us over on Facebook, on my Facebook page at Hallie Balkan Biz, on Instagram at, at Hallie Balkan. And you can head over to the untetheredpodcast.com to grab a copy of the show notes, um, where you can also subscribe to be kept up to date on the latest podcast episodes. 